What's up, church planners, pastors, and disciple makers? My name is Jared Huntley, coming to you from Washington, D.C., and I'm with my good friend Logan Douglas, who's coming to you from Reykjavik, Iceland. You are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by ordinary church planters that exists to encourage and equip other church planters and pastors to make disciples in hard places. What's up, Logan? Not much, not much. Hey, how hot is it there right now? Um, so I literally have not been outside all day. Uh, I will admit that it's lunchtime. That's something to be proud of. I'm yeah. impressed. It, uh, my phone says 88 degrees Fahrenheit right now. So okay. it's, it's 55 hot. degrees Fahrenheit here. So is you there, can be Is it light outside right now? I guess it's still it light is, outside. It is very light outside. What time yes, is it's it? It's still summer. It is currently 3.30 p.m. Oh, yeah, of course. And when does it get dark right now in August? Uh, I mean, right now it's getting dark. Uh, sunset, I think, is at 9 p.m. And okay. So, I mean, it's getting darker. We're not having the midnight sun to where you can go for a stroll at 11 o'clock in the evening and it looks like it's 5 p.m. Yeah, so, it's crazy. Uh, I was told by a guy who was doing some repairs in our apartment building uh, that winter is coming. That's what is literally what he said. <laughs> I was like, yes, it is just like okay. that. Winter is coming. Yeah. yeah. Winter is coming. Um, so I thought that was funny. That is funny. There are some like fall leaves that fell in our backyard, which is kind of weird. Cause it, I mean, it doesn't feel anywhere close to fall yet right now. Um, like, in fact, I saw the it's supposed to be like 93 degrees or something tomorrow, but, um, and we're recording this in August, by the way. So this episode won't come out until, uh, I think like the first week of September, but, um, but yeah, so it's still hot as of right now. Hopefully by the time this episode airs, it won't be as hot in Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We're going to jump into the topic today. Um, so last what are we week, talking about? so we're going to be talking about doubling down on evangelism and discipleship. So last week we kind of started a, you know, we kicked off our season by talking about things COVID has taught us. And so we talked about like what making a big impact looks like uh, in the kingdom of God and kind of how God has really uh, kind of reshaped and reoriented what that looks like for us uh, specifically, you know, through this COVID season. And so we're going to be talking about another thing that God has used COVID-19 to teach us. And uh, that thing is that God has uh, taught us to double down on evangelism and discipleship. And so here's kind of what I mean by that. Um, As many of you listeners uh, can probably uh, relate to, all of our plans for ministry got blown into smithereens when COVID-19 hit. Like our calendar just, you know, was completely uh, obliterated and all of our plans and all the things that, you know, we had all these great outreach ideas and we had these events and, you know, I mean, we had this Easter thing planned and we were all excited about it. And yeah, none of that happened at all. And so, you know, for the first few weeks, it was kind of like just trying to scramble and find, you know, a way to batten down the hatches and make sure that like we can make it through this. And then as we kind of emerged and realized like, okay, like, things are not going back to normal anytime soon. Um, like this is kind of our new reality. Then, you know, once that set in, we started to go, okay, well, what does ministry look like now? Uh, what does ministry look like? Uh, knowing that in our, our church has never been like one where like, we're not big on doing like huge you know, outreach events. We don't spend a lot of money. We don't, you know, send out, you know, postcard mailers and things like that. Like we're, we already were very intentional 
about ensuring that every single one of our members is in discipleship. Uh, we, we do one-to-one evangelism on the streets. Like that's just, you know, kind of a part of our culture, but COVID-19, um, brought us to a situation where all the events that we did have on the calendar were stripped away and we didn't have anything left. And so we made the decision early on, well, you know, we're not going to let this, you know, like stop you know, us for ministry, like, uh, you know, like the apostle Paul talks about in Philippians, you know, chapter one, how, when he got thrown into prison in Rome, uh, that the whole Praetorian guard knew that he was in prison for Christ and that most of the other brothers, uh, became confident in the Lord by his imprisonment. And they were more bold to speak the gospel without fear. So like, even as there was opposition to the gospel, it only caused the gospel to advance faster and further. And so, you know, we knew that kingdom work doesn't stop just because there's a pandemic. And so we decided, well, we're going to double down on evangelism and discipleship. We're going to focus all of our effort on making sure every single church member is in discipleship. If we got to do it on video calls, we're going to do it. And we're going to equip our people to share the gospel with their neighbors, with coworkers, with strangers, and, that's what we've done. And I'm excited, you know, you know, we'll, we'll tell some stories, you know, through this episode, but I've just been amazed at what God has done. Um, I'll say this, we have grown as a church since COVID started, um, in every way, really. I mean, most importantly, we've grown spiritually. We're seeing great fruit and spiritual maturity in the lives of our people and in participation in the great commission. But we've also grown numerically. We've baptized, uh, you know, more believers during this season than at any other season in our church. Uh, we've added new members to our church, even as we've lost members to, you know, uh, PCS season and, and military, you know, some of our military guys, uh, you know, moving away. Um, and so it's just reminded me, man, that the the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and God doesn't need our help to do ministry. Praise God. Praise God. I love hearing that. I mean, it, I think it's so easy for us to get flustered um, and when our plans don't go the way they're supposed to, uh, especially those of us who are type A organizers and things like that. But um, just because circumstances aren't ideal or circumstances aren't what we thought they would be, the Great Commission um, doesn't change, which is the mission of the church. You know, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded us. Uh, It sounds like your church is doing that, and we're seeking to, as a church plant here in Reykjavik, to still do that. Um, You know, we're, we're much... You know, we haven't even constituted yet. We're just a core team, but the church that we're part of, which is an Icelandic church here, we're really trying to neighbor well because it's about all that you can do. Uh, there's not, you know, people can't in our context go to church services. Um, pe- there aren't the programs like the, you know, the Easter program. We we did Easter online, uh, like almost every other church that I know of. And it, it really, in a great way, it brings it back down to the individual level, like the individual 
Christian to do evangelism and discipleship. You mean kind of like we're supposed to equip the saints for the work of ministry, something like that? Yeah, it's almost, almost sounds like biblical. someone said that in a letter <laughs> once to this church in Ephesus, somewhere around the fourth chapter and twelfth verse. I think you're which right. Plug plug for a book that I haven't read, but someone has read it and told me it was great. Micah Freeze uh, and another author. Micah has. Um, a podcast along with two other pastors called the EST Podcast. He is the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he co-authored a book called Leveling the Church, which talks about the call of pastors to equip the church, um, which is really just an exposition of uh, Ephesians 4.12, which is what we're supposed to do. You know, yep. individual church members are the means to um, to the gospel reaching the nations because, you know, Pastor David Platt talks about this um, in his just heart for the mission field and for us to reach all nations and to reach people. It's the fact that if you're listening to this podcast right now and you exist in a apartment, a home, a uh, what the dorm room you might have moved in because you know you're in an area to where that's that's you're not being prevented from going to college and moving into a dorm room like there are people that are around you who don't know who Christ is and if you're a member of a church or you're a church leader discipleship like these things are supposed to keep happening and they happen within the church yes through the church yes but We've got to get away from thinking that the church is an organization and the church is programs. And, you know, it's we we are the church. People yeah. are the church. Yeah. Um, and so you have little bitty missionaries all throughout these places that are going through hardships. And I mean, the, the Great Commission is still the Great Commission. We're still called to go and to reach people with the gospel and make disciples. Man, I I think that COVID-19 has the potential to push pastors and churches in one of two ways. Um, I think that one of the ways that, you know, one of the things that can happen is that you can decide to continue to, uh, you know, scratch and claw and strive to keep people in the same way that you got them. So if you've, if you've been depending on programs and outreach and things like that, what can, what can be a temptation to do at this point is to try to buy into the, you know, the idea that, okay, we've got to really, you know, everything's going digital. And so we've got to get excellent at having an online presence and we've got to continue to provide provide, you know, content constantly for people. We've got to be content providers, which is what I think a lot of times it's almost like we've misunderstood the purpose of the church and we think that we're supposed to be content providers or something like mm-hmm. that. And so that's one way you could go. Another way that you could go is that this could kind of, I think, shock your system awake and 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 cause you to go, wait a second, like God is kind of flipping everything upside down right now. Maybe we need to completely change the way that we've been, you know, approaching things. And um, maybe we need to look at what it means to actually equip the saints uh, for the work of ministry. And instead Mm -hmm. of like just providing content for people or running programs, it's going to mean actually like doing more one-to-one discipleship and one-to-one evangelism and, you know, starting with a few of your key leaders and teaching them really how to go and to make disciples and encouraging your church members to meet up and, and, and encouraging them to go out and get into the harvest and share the gospel and teach them tools on how to do so. Um, I think it's, 
I think it's there's a cost to that though, because I think that if you're a church leader and you decide to go in that direction, you're going to lose people, especially if you haven't, if that's not really been a part of your culture already, and that it hasn't been yeah. what you've been doing consistently. And you, you maybe you do have a lot of programs and things like that in your church. Um, you're going to have people that are not going to like, you know, the move away from programs and they're not going to to like the increased accountability that comes with an expectation that we're, you know, that we're in discipleship. And so you might there might be a pruning process that you go yep. through. And so I think every leader has to count the cost and go, am I willing to take my church through that pruning process and lose people potentially to get leaner and healthier? Well, and one of the things that I think any so if you're listening to this podcast, um, we're going to assume that either you are in a ministry uh, leader context or position, or you aspire to be, or maybe you just found us because you're just a Christian who liked the name. Any of those, um, if you are a Christian, this is something you yourself are supposed to be living out. And I feel like a lot of ministry leaders, I know I've been there. I was there when COVID hit. If we took an inventory of the people that we are around day in and day out, we surround ourselves with a whole lot of Christians and very few non-Christians. Mm -hmm. You end up getting the, the ministry job. Uh, you maybe have an office and you have a staff that you lead. And then depending on if you have Sunday school, Sunday worship, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service. Like some people have that context. Maybe you don't, but, uh, you know, if you spend a lot of time doing counseling, you spend a lot of time leading your staff, a lot of time sermon prepping, lesson prepping, um, you know, what have you, you can really, and this, again, I found myself in this, I, you could almost not be in relationship with any non-Christians, and I think one of the things COVID helped me do is, you know, so in my context doing, I was eldering at this established Icelandic church as an English elder um, for a year. And then I was also helping to uh, kind of establish a college ministry on the college campus here in Reykjavik. And I was always downtown. It seemed like I was always going downtown to do things and, and I would be meeting with Christians for a variety of things, you know, pastoral visitations, counseling, discipleship groups. And when COVID hit, it was like I just all of a sudden woke up one day and was like, hey, I actually have neighbors and I live in an apartment building. <laughs> but my rhythms were just wake up, leave, come home, stay home. And I feel like we've done that in the in the states and in North America. That's you know used to you knew your neighbors. You'd, you'd have cookouts with your neighbors. You'd sit on the front porch in a rocking chair and wave at your neighbors. And if you went out of town, you know your neighbors would check the mail or th like. And I feel like we've gotten away from that. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, especially for Christian leaders, I think that. We've lost that personal modeling of personal evangelism and personal discipleship that if it doesn't happen in the context of the nine to five or, you know, ministry programs, um, we don't really bring people along and, and devote time to it uh, in, in discipleship, but also, you know, 
if you're listening to this, ask yourself, when was the last time you had someone who wasn't a member of your church in your home for a meal? You know, when was the last time you struck up a conversation with your neighbor and invested time in that relationship on an ongoing basis? Um, you know, our neighbors in my case. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that's one of the things COVID has so helped me see as a ministry leader is my tendency to get so busy and wrapped up in ministry things that I, I don't live like an incarnate life where I'm at. I, I, di- I don't really know my neighbors. And if you don't know your neighbors, I'm going to assume you're not loving your neighbors. Um, and so that's one of the things I'm, I'm thankful for COVID is that I, I've, you know, I try my best not to leave, leave like my neighborhood very often. You know, I try, I've, I've frequented more stores locally. I've gone to places I don't know. I go for walks around my neighborhood and prayer walk. And I, I try to strike up conversations with people. And um, so, yeah, ministry leader in your context in the midst of COVID, understand that it's really I would say it's impossible, but some people might disagree. I'm going to say then it's extremely difficult for you to lead people to do something you aren't doing. Yeah, absolutely. It is. I think that's one of the most important things that, you know, any of us could learn from, from COVID like COVID really, you know, I I think has the potential to present a huge blessing to us because it strips away a bunch of the stuff that, you know, kind of like we were talking about in last week's episode, a bunch of the stuff that we thought was necessary for ministry kind of makes us realize like, Oh, maybe we don't actually have to do all that stuff to be successful Mm -hmm. ministry. Maybe we don't have to spend all of that money. Like, man, we have, we have we have grown and we have reached lost people and seen people come to Christ throughout the season. We've spent zero dollars essentially on outreach, no money. Yeah. It has cost us no money. Our discipleship pro- program costs no money, and all the evangelism we do costs no money. Um, it's free, and it works because it's the gospel, because <laughs> the yeah. gospel is the power of God into salvation. I mean, for discipleship, I don't, I don't. We're gonna have to do a separate episode on this at some point. Um, but essentially for discipleship, you just need a pathway to, you know, for your people to, to run on. We use something called stages. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about how we, uh, do discipleship, you can always email me, reach out to me, um, uh, you know, on the website, there's a contact form. You can reach out to me, but, uh, essentially it's, uh, you know, a, a discipleship pathway, uh, for people that to, to, that helps people identify where they're at in their relationship with God and helps, uh, provide steps for them on how to, you know, become a disciple maker. And the expectation at our church is that everyone be in a discipleship relationship. You have somebody pouring into you. And then the goal is for you also to have to be pouring into somebody else. So we yeah. tell everybody, we want you to have two relationships, a disciple maker and a disciplee, right? Somebody that you're discipling. And so, uh, that's, oh, that's so good. And that's free to do. You don't, you just need your Bible and you need a willingness to do it. And then evangelism. So I'll, I'll just kind of share a couple of the things that, that we've done, uh, during this season where, you know, like one of the things that has been remarkable is how open people are right now to the gospel. Um, I don't know how it is in your context, Logan, I'll let you speak to that in a sec, but I know here we've seen a tremendous openness and I think it's because people are asking big questions about life right now. Uh, people's lives have been thrown upside down. And so uh, one of the things we started doing is something called gospel and grub. And on Friday nights, we just get a group of people from our church. We encourage everybody to come out. We go into, you know, that's an area called old town, Alexandria. 
in the DC area. It's just like a place with a lot of shops and restaurants and stuff on a Friday night. And we walk around for an hour and a half asking people if we can pray for them. And then, you know, we follow that up after we pray for them with asking them, has anybody ever shared the gospel with you before? And we just get into gospel conversations. Um, I know, uh, two weeks ago we had on one Sunday, we had four different people at our church who we met as a, you know, attending our church who we met as a direct result of gospel and grew up. They were total strangers a few weeks ago and just shared the gospel with them. Uh, right now, uh, you know, like I'm getting to meet with discipleship now regularly with a guy that we met, uh, doing gospel and grub. Um, and the best part about it is that we've had, dozens of people from our church who have gone out now and have shared the gospel, some of them for the very first time ever. Mm -hmm. And they're taking this step because we're going in pairs. We're telling people, look, if you're not comfortable, that's all right. We'll pair you uh, uh, with somebody that is so that you can first watch and observe how we do it. That's what that's part of what discipleship is. It's just taking other Christians under your wing and going, here, come with me, follow me, and I'm going to show you how to fish for men. And we're going to uh-huh. go and we're going to do this. And as we've been doing it, we're seeing fruit and people in our church are excited. Like people are, you know, like getting pumped about what God's doing at Gospel and Grub. Um, another thing we did is we started an, uh, uh, we started an online Bible study back in April in our neighborhood and we encouraged other people in our church to do the same. And I actually created a little like Google doc, uh, that basically step-by-step how to start an online Bible study. And, and I'll make sure and I'll post it on our social media channels so that anybody, any of our listeners can access it. Um, and we just went on uh, Nextdoor and uh, we have a neighborhood Facebook group and invited anybody who wanted to come. Hey, we're going to have a Bible study. Anybody's welcome. And we've gotten to meet like about 10 of our neighbors through that that came and started participating. And now uh, I regularly disciple one of my neighbors now who we met through this Bible study. He comes to our church now. Um, and God. we've gotten to share the gospel with people who had never heard it. So, and we've had other church members who've done the same Two in particular, one, one guy named Matt and another guy named Doug who have started neighborhood Bible studies online. And, uh, um, they've also, uh, been able to reach some of their neighbors and share the gospel with people for the first time. And so, I mean, these are, and again, all of this is free. doesn't cost any money. Uh, it's just about equipping your people, uh, and putting the tools in their hands and then encouraging them, uh, to go and do the work of ministry. So, yeah, no, that's so good. Um, and, and it, it's almost revolutionary to a point, which is sad, um, you know, going back to what we were saying about Ephesians 4.12 with equipping the saints like leaders are there to do that, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Yep. Because many people, I think, pre-COVID would have equated evangelism, and maybe they still do. Um, and so I might be stepping on some toes, but there, I believe, was a large idea that evangelism was inviting a stranger to church on Sunday mm. so the guy on stage could share the gospel with them. And it removed the personal, like, accountability to do that, to share your testimony of how God saved you and has Jesus has, you know, become the Lord of your life and the Holy Spirit has saved and empowered and cleansed you of all of your sins and transgressions. Um, and I get that some people are timid with that, but one of the things that I've seen living in Iceland is... People talk about 
their beliefs in the co- the context of friendship and normal conversation uh, with relative ease. So, um, you know, we our ministry kind of pathway. Uh, I love the idea of gospel and grub, but kind of how we do things is is we have a lot of game nights, mm-hmm. and so we'll have game nights, we'll have uh, food events, we'll have movie nights at my place, and. Uh, we have a, a live-in college intern, and we've got some young adults who are very extroverted, and they're really good at, at creating friendships. And so we we just regularly fellowship with people. So we have points of contact that aren't necessarily, you know, religious in their origin. They're not they're not Christian events. They're not explicitly outreach oriented. But in the normal kind of rhythms of life, there the gospel can come up. You know, when you ask people about what they're doing uh, this weekend and, and they reciprocate and ask you what you're doing, saying like, I, you know, I watched this worship service, even asking them, would they, you know, hey, would you want to come over and watch it and talk about it? Like, have you ever heard the gospel? And so we've found just kind of seamless ways in the context of friendship with non-believers. So regularly just having them in your house uh, that we've seen great fruit in our context. Um and sometimes, and, and, you know, I know that there would be people who disagree with this. I'm not saying this is like prescriptive. This is what everyone should do. But sometimes it takes two or three get, like meetings for me in some context to share the gospel with someone in the context of friendship, mm-hmm. just simply because I'm building a relationship with them. And then if I share the gospel and they reject it, well, I'm still going to hang out with that person because, you know, it's I still value them and I want them to have like a closeness to my life because in the midst of COVID. So we're dealing with uncertainty. There's death spreading all throughout the world and, and all of these things are happening. People don't know what to do. And I think Christians have a unique way to over time share with people close to them that kind of peace and comfort that only comes from Christ in the midst of things like this. And so that's kind of, you know, one way we've done evangelism and our people have done it is just to the, you know, while being safe about it, um, being in relationship with neighbors and looking for ways of just having people in your home. And I mean, I immediately, I think of Rosaria Butterfield uh, in her book, this um, secret thoughts of an unlikely convert Mm -hmm. where the pastor who loved on her and invited her to eat dinner with, him and his wife, that was kind of their way. And and so, again, as, as you're able to do and, and safely do, um, I would encourage people to, you know, start working on that friendship with people, you know, in your – so if there's who's the coworker that you talk to on a regular basis? Maybe they worked on a team, but they've never been in your house. Who's the neighbor that you wave at, uh, you know, out of some sort of nice hospitable obligation, like, hey, hey, but you've never actually had them over uh, for coffee and to just talk about life. And and, uh, so I would encourage that. And then in the context of discipleship, I love the idea of just reading the Bible together. I mean, I'm in a discipleship group with two guys. They're separate, both Icelandic and the questions that they have about scripture are, it's so exciting. Mm. You know, they're reading scripture and bringing up questions and uh, it's, they're hungry. They're hungry to know God's word, but um, 
you know, I invite, especially one of them, I invite him to come to some of these game nights to just see interaction with non-believers. And I mean, we can do that. We can just live life with people within the church as we're loving on people outside of the church. And I just, yeah, I highly encourage people to take advantage of that right now with the kind of, you know, you're not out running to ball games. You're not out running to a lot of extra events. You're many people's, you know, providentially have been hindered from doing certain things, especially pastors. Um, don't miss the opportunity to start building in some really good rhythms where you are living in community with non-believers and having your church community watching and participating in that. Yeah, that's good. I, I mean, when I say that, um, you know, we double down on, you know, discipleship, yeah, you know what I—that's I, really what I mean—is we instead of going trying to scramble and going, okay, we, you know, I need to spend. I'm going to spend a large amount of my time each week trying to increase our, you know, online presence and improve the, you know, uh, quote unquote worship experience or you know things things like that or trying to you know plan big events, um, uh, you know, or get get creative with with how we were going to do that in the context of COVID and even like doing things. Things like, like, I mean, I know there's a lot of churches, there's, you know, depending on your context, there's different things you can do, but we just felt like even trying to, you know, like do something like start a food bank or something like, although we, we could have done that, we felt like we can also partner with others who are already doing that well right now. And we don't necessarily need to start, you know, like a food bank or our own ministry. And I just, instead of filling my week, trying to start big things like that, or, you know, one of the things I, I, I committed to doing was I'm going to commit to just investing into the lives of particularly men in my church who mm-hmm. want to follow Jesus and teaching them how to do that, teaching them how to share the gospel and evangelize, taking them with me as I'm going and doing it, leading by example, and you know, actually sharing the gospel and having time out of the week where I'm doing that regularly and doing that in my day-to-day life so that I have stories to share with them. Because if we don't have stories and we're not doing it ourselves, then we can't expect that our, our people are going to, and we're not going to see people come to Christ as a result. Um, and you're going to have to depend on programs and things like that to bring people in because nobody's sharing the gospel. So the gospel is not going to bring them in. Um, well, and one so. of the things that I was even thinking in the context of last week's episode where I was talking about kind of multiplication and the investment that you make personally within your church context, I mean, intentionality in this, in this um, time, when you have the time to invest, one, to hopefully maybe correct some bad patterns and rhythms that we had pre-COVID, but being intentional and in investing in the, the men of your church uh, or even the, the women with women in your church, I mean, this could be the the time that you're working on developing future leaders within your church. And a lot, a lot of us don't realize that when we get so busy as ministry leaders, tending to kind of the, the machine of ministry, depending on your context and how big it is and the demands and the time it takes to prep for sermons and for lessons and the time it takes to do a lot of the administrative work and leadership work that we have, we don't realize that there, there are times where we're up there on Sundays and we're preaching, 
And even though we might strive our best to have points of application where we've really thought through, you know, a variety of people within our context and our churches that this could apply to, there's still at times people's particular situations that they might need help fleshing out how does God's word come to bear in my life in this regard? Um, how do I love my wife in this situation? How do I be Christ to this family member? How do I share the gospel in this context at my workplace? Um, and right now, pastors really have the ability to be so intentional and so personal um, with individuals in the church to help them through that. Plus just, I mean, golly, I remember growing up in the South thinking that pastoral visitation, even though I wasn't a Christian, was like, that was this big thing that pastors did where they just showed up to your house and drank coffee and prayed with you and asked how you're doing. And people used to get so excited, like the pastors come to visit. And um, I mean, if you're a ministry leader, how, how, you know, how often are you doing that? Mm -hmm. How often were you doing that? And how often are you doing that now? And could you be doing it more where you are, you know, being a shepherd among the sheep? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, and I think, you know, when we talk about wanting to, you know, I think every, you know, probably most, most ministry leaders listening to this podcast are doing so because they have a desire to reach their community with the gospel. Uh, they want to see disciples made. So we're kind of making that assumption if you're listening to uh, this podcast. And one of the one of the best ways, honestly, that you can do that is by multiplying yourself. Uh, and so that means investing one-on-one -on -one in people around you. And, and, you know, kind of like you mentioned earlier, you know, just like Jesus did, you know, he, he invested into 12 men and it was through that investment in those 12 men that the world was turned upside down. And so, um, you know, like, that's really what I've done. Like we've got our elders, uh, you know, myself and the other elders, you know, each of us are discipling several men and our goal, especially throughout this, you know, COVID period has been to help each one of the men we're discipling to start discipling somebody else. Mm -hmm. So we've been training them to do what we're doing with them. And then they in turn are training their disciples to do the same, right? This multiplication effect and like, you know, we, and, and so we, our discipleship process looks, we keep it simple and reproducible so that they can do that. You know, like our meetups are really simple. It's, you know, we meet up, we spend about the first 20, 30 minutes just catching up. How are you doing? You know, how's your, you know, how's your, how's your quiet time going? What have you been reading in the Bible? How's your purity? Things like that. You know, what about your goals you set? Then spend about 20, 30 minutes reading the Bible together, right? Like, oh. so just digging into the word and, and, and that, and that's between the disciple maker and the disciple, you know, you know what the person you're meeting with needs, you know, maybe the person you're, you know, meeting with, uh, you know, needs to grow in, um, you know, just in their knowledge of, uh, you know, the gospel in general. And so you're going to take them through Romans and, and help them, you know, uh, you know, build up their, you know, kind of their, their, um, theological understanding of the gospel, whatever it is. And then the last 20 to 30 minutes, uh, we spend time just praying together and also mm -hmm. helping uh, them set goals for how they're going to apply what they've read in God's word to their lives for that week. And we actually hold them accountable to those goals. There's real accountability that's built in. And, and we and I think it's so important to pray together and to mm -hmm. like really 
you know, pray for the, the marriage of your disciple and pray for, you know, the lost people in their life, pray for their neighbor who they told you about and pray that God gives them the boldness to share the gospel with that neighbor and, you know, all those things. And, and all you're doing as you're doing that, you're saying, okay, what I'm modeling for you, the goal is, is for you to go and then do likewise with others. And the it other almost sounds like, uh, someone said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's first Corinthians 11, one, Mike Paul. Right. And then, <laughs> The other key aspect of this, though, Logan, that I want to point out, too, is it's not just the discipleship meetups in a coffee shop or over a Zoom meeting. The other key aspect that we do is that in addition to those meetups, we take our disciples with us to go share the gospel and to do ministry. And we'll invite them into our home so they can see how we treat our wives and how we treat our children and, you know, or invite them with us to go to the grocery store so they can see how we interact with people in public. I mean... You know, Jesus did that with his disciples too, but you've got to, if you're not modeling, if you are not modeling like evangelism and discipleship for the people in your church and then explaining to them that the, that God has called them to do the same thing, they're not going to catch it by your sermons. It doesn't matter. You can, you can plead with them until you're blue in the face in your sermons on Sundays, but it won't happen. It just won't if you're not modeling it. Yeah, and one of the things that everything you say or have said, one of the things it immediately says to me is this takes time. And this is something that I want our listeners to get because I know your heart, you and I have talked about this stuff just all the time. We, we, We feel this, we pray this for our people, we pray this for our own soul, but it's a patient work. It's a faithful work. You know, having... Having the mindset that discipleship isn't a program, so it's not a you know one hour a week in a static you know place uh, routinely with this guy, and we go through a curriculum, and then when we're done with the curriculum, okay, you've been discipled, high five, <laughs> move on. Yeah. Um, and you know, depending on your capacity, that means you could maybe have five or ten disciples if you've got the time, and then you're able to say like you know every year I disciple ten to twenty people. Um, but do they, the, the texture of discipleship, it has this feel in the New Testament of just deep investment, deep relationship with Jesus spending this time with his disciples. Like literally they, they lived with him. They traveled with him. They saw his ministry. They knew him. He knew them. He trusted his mom to John. Like these men were, were not just guys that he would just show up once a week and kind of like, Hey, all right, I'm here to to do a knowledge dump or I'm here to kind of go through these rote questions with you. And, um, I mean, it's doing life with one another. Mm-hmm. It, it is. I mean, I remember, um, our intern who was with, lived with us for three months. Um, she was, 22 year old girl lived with my wife, Carla and I for three months and then came back to the States. And then she's moved here now and she lives with us again. And at the end of her internship, before she went home in December of 2019, I asked her like, what did you learn the most? Like what, what was most impactful? And she didn't say the internship curriculum. She didn't say the books I had to read. She said, just watching us do ministry and watching our marriage was so impactful Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying you need to move your disciples into your basement or your spare bedroom, but what I am saying is I feel like what we do is we try to do 
too little with too many instead of, I think, doing a lot with a few. Yeah, and I, I so want to say that I want to say to if you're listening to this and I know my impulse is not to do this, but I think we I don't think we understand force multiplication. I don't think we understand that if if we were to invest deeply in one to three guys over the course of five years, that if they go and do that and then they go and do that, like the quality and the depth and the the length of those discipleship relationships could deeply impact the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas doing kind of this programmatic, impersonal, quick, it just feels superficial. It feels yeah. like generic and it, it doesn't feel personal. And, and I know a lot of guys impulse is to, they want to disciple the most. They want to see leaders raised up. And, and I, I, I love that impulse, but I feel like at times that impulse needs to draw, drive us to prayer mm. and more so good depth in our discipleship and not, okay, well, we got to build a program to get people through because right. we like, man, I just, God knows what he's doing. He's in control. Jesus, again, we've we said this in the last podcast, Jesus builds his church. And so when we feel the tension of wanting to raise more leaders, is your impulse to create a program that fast tracks them and attracts them, or is it to pray? Hmm. And when you get them, it, it, you know, are you trying to figure out the least amount of time that you can spend with them and it count? Are you doing this thing where it's like, hey, I'm you know, I was affected by this. So one of my disciple uh, makers, one of my mentors, who was a guy I mentioned on the last um, podcast, uh, he invited me to go to a D now that he was speaking at. He was like, hey, just come ride with me and uh, you've got a place to stay and, you know, it'll be an overnight and it'll be great. And so we drove three hours to the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and sat in a hotel room and I got to just pick his brain and watched him teach and relate and all these things. And that was so impactful in my mm-hmm. life, getting to just go do something with this guy. And so if you're a ministry leader and you, you think about doing a visitation right now during COVID, who's the guy or who's the girl that you can say, hey, come with me? You know, if you're doing a lesson plan, or you're doing sermon prep, who can you invite? Mm. If you're going to have a, a family over in your neighborhood, who's the young college student that you can say, hey, you, do you want to come too? And let them see you relate to your neighbors. Like We have so many opportunities like this, and we don't know how much that can impact that disciple, that, that church member, that college student, even that teenager, you know, if you're a youth minister. Um, and so just prayerfully look around the people that God's, brought you um, and ask, how can I invest deeply in their life uh, while they're here? And I I assure you, you will celebrate the fruit of that investment uh, when Jesus comes in glory. Amen. Amen. Uh, You, you, uh, I I love, you know, just a lot of what you you just shared there, Logan. And, um, you know, you really, you can't microwave disciples. Uh, This, uh, you know, it's not something we can fast track. And and I, I really do think that, you know, a, a lot of times 
the, you know, we, we reflect, uh, you know, the spirit of the age a lot and the way that we try to make disciples and do ministry. And, you know, we live in a, a you know, a fast food microwave, you know, uh, culture, uh, where we want instant results and the kingdom of God doesn't grow that way. You know, Jesus is, is pretty clear. And, you know, we talked a lot about this in last week's episode. Uh, you know, I think it even comes down to like, again, you know, to like, what's, what does big impact look like? You know, and if mm-hmm. we think that big impact looks like, you know, you know, fast growth and, you know, big results and, you know, high numbers and things like that, then naturally we're going to be, uh, averse to the slow, intentional, purposeful, oftentimes messy grind of just life on life meeting with two or three guys and investing in them and inviting them to come along and, you know, in your life and, and, and pouring into them and holding them accountable. Um, but you're right. If we're doing that with two, three, four guys and you've got a couple and you're teaching them to do that with two, three, four guys and you, the other, you know, you know, elders or leaders in your church are also doing the same. Uh, you can have, a much more significant reach probably than you realize uh, a lot quicker than you realize. And the growth will be healthy growth. It won't be superficial. And Uh I think that's what Paul's talking about in first Corinthians three, when he talks about, you know, judgment day will reveal, you know, what sort of work each one has done, whether we've built with gold and silver or precious stones or with wood or hay or straw, you know, Uh on the foundation of Christ. And, um, I think if we try to shortcut, um, you know, spiritual fruit and disciple making, then unfortunately, I I think we're building a house of cards and you may have some, you know, quote unquote results that look visible on the outside. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not going to stand in judgment and a lot of it's superficial growth and it's not substantive. And so, um, uh, the gospel, you know, the word of God, and it works, but it's slower. Um, mm-hmm. And we've got to have the patience to be able to do that. Um, well, so and we also need to understand. I mean, and I, I'm hoping that we won't get hate mail when I say this, but results may vary. Mm-hmm. Like, like you can have two guys with the same gifting, in the same context, doing the same ministry. And the Lord might supernaturally bless one in a way that he doesn't bless the other one. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that the one who is not seeing, you know, massive influx of attendees and baptisms is doing something wrong? Is No, because if you say yes, the question then becomes, so who grows the church? If we believe that Christ grows the church, then we believe that any, when the baptismal waters are stirred, that was a work of the Lord mm. through his people, yes, but when we think about this investment, if you, after three months, after six months, start looking and asking yourself, is this worth it because I'm not seeing leaps and bounds of spiritual maturation or I'm not seeing you know, this person uh, being equipped and ready for this, or even if it's an evangelistic relationship after six months and this person's still rejecting the gospel, I mean... Are we are we impatient? <laughs> you know, that's one of the things I feel like we are plagued by a poor hermeneutic. So a poor way of reading scripture. When you read scripture at times, you read, you know, three years in a book or at times you read hundreds of years in a book. You read decades at times in a paragraph. 
And, you know, God was in control the whole time, growing the church in the New Testament and, and also making his people. And I feel like we've, because of the instant culture we have in the States, what you were talking about, this microwave culture, that we're we're impatient. Yeah. We're so impatient. We want results now. And, and I think we just have to pause and be somewhat aware that while fervency and urgency are true, that what I said in the last podcast, I mean, it, it's so... We don't want to save people more than God wants to save them. Yeah. We don't want to build Jesus's church more than he wants to build his church. Um, we just cannot believe that. And so neglecting these types of deep personal relationships and friendships within the church and then within our own pockets of non-believers, so work, school, neighborhoods, um, I just I think we we don't have that long game in mind at times like we're and we're missing these people who are made in God's image who have worth and value because he made them in his image and he's placed us in these places to love them. Yeah. Love them deep and over time. Yeah. Um and I feel like just many times we just can't be bothered with the time and intentionality it takes because we just have been kind of conditioned to think, well, in three months, things aren't different, then I need to try something else. Yeah. Or I need to move on. We need to keep tinkering with the way, you know, our, our churches, or our church plants and our ministries, things like that. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think what, you know, our, our point with this episode is that, like, you know, my prayer would be that, you know, just as COVID has been, you know, God's been using COVID to, sh- to show me and really to kind of just affirm, you know, us in the direction of, you know, really focusing all of our efforts on discipleship and evangelism, you know, and equipping the saints, equipping our church members to do that. Um, you know, I, my prayer is that, you know, for our listeners that God will use, you know, COVID-19 in the same way for you and for your ministry. And that you'll see that like God, God doesn't need you to come up with a plan to reach your community. He's already come up with it. And the plan is your people. The plan is the, the members of your church. It's your, it's the people around you. That's, that's God's plan. So start investing into them. Teach them how to follow Jesus. Teach them how to share the gospel. Teach them how to read the word of God, you know, for for themselves. Teach them how to pray. This is, we overcomplicate this so much. This is what Jesus did with his his disciples. It's what we see, uh, you know, when Paul goes on his missionary journeys, you know, and he, and he takes, you know, you know, Timothy's and Titus is with him and, you know, shows them how to do it. And then he sends them off and goes, okay, now I've shown you how to do it. Now you go do it. And that's, it's really as simple as that. And so I'm hoping that more and more ministry leaders and churches will see that and will commit to that and not feel the pressure to try to make things happen or come up with new ministries and do big outreach events and feel like we need things like that to, to draw people because we don't. The gospel is the power of God into salvation and it's perfectly mm-hmm. sufficient to draw people to Christ. We're seeing it happen in our context here. God's doing it in Iceland. I mean, I hear, you know, you shared with me some, just some awesome stories about what God's doing there. And like one Mm -hmm. of your, one of, 
one of my favorite things that you're doing is you have this this creative Viking club where you've got these Icelanders coming over and you're putting them through these insane workouts and making them play <laughs> chess at the same time. So yep, Viking time. Viking That's time. That's what I call it. Viking yeah. time. And so you did what? It's just like what? Like four guys that come over? Yeah. So I've got I've got a group of. Um, it's actually. Uh, Four guys, one are four Icelanders, one is a Christian, three are not, and they will come over and we will do a round kind of table wad uh, workout of the day. And typically it's like a minute at each station and then a minute rest and we'll put teams together and one of the stations is playing chess. So you get a minute to do a move and that's kind of your rest. Uh, And it's so funny because chess is very popular here in Iceland and so... uh, it affects their game uh, a little bit with, uh, with doing burpees and rowing and all kinds of things that I make them do. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a creative way of me getting these, these guys, um, you know, into my garage and me just loving on them and spending time with mm-hmm. them and laughing with them and torturing them. Uh, and I mean, and I shared the gospel with each of the non-believers multiple times yeah. because in the context of just friendship, it, it just, it comes up. So good, man. So good. There's so many creative ways to do that. So many creative ways to reach your neighbors, to reach people in your community. And so, um, you know, we could definitely talk about this more. Uh, fortunately we gotta, we gotta wrap this one up for now. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we're, we, if you, if you as listeners have questions about maybe, you know, other things that we've done or, if you want to know more about, you know, our discipleship pathway that we use, or you want to talk to Logan and I about specific, you know, ideas for ways that you can do evangelism and reach out to your community, we'd be happy uh, to talk to you about that. You can go to our website and uh, just uh, go to the contact us form and and let us know. We'd what love to hear website? from you. com. Thank you for asking, Logan. That's a good point. You're very welcome. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> um, so there's also uh, links to other resources there on the website. You can find links to our other episodes from all five seasons of in the trenches uh we've even got a resources page where we have recommended reading and recommended books um and so one of the ways you can support us is if you buy one of the books through one of those links it's an amazon affiliate link and so it helps support our podcast a little bit so that it can cover the costs of what it takes to keep this thing running so uh we want to thank you guys our listeners for tuning in to another episode of in the trenches we're going to be back next monday with another episode so until then go out there and get in those trenches (laughs) 